Welcome to My Big Safety Challenge, a podcast all about stories of safety leadership presented by Dale Carnegie and the Board of Certified Safety Professionals. Here are your hosts, Merle Heckman and Mike Palmer. Mike, it is great to be with you today. Hey, it's a beautiful day. The sun is shining. The guest today, you've called him the Swiss Army Knife of Safety. Why? I did. I did. We're going to speak to Mike DuPont. He's a senior director of global health and safety for RIAM. Um, Just a great guy. And just, I mean, he can do it all. The guy really can do it all. He is, his technical skills are phenomenal uh, that he's kept through 30 years of doing this. And I've seen him interact with at the boardroom kind of thing, that level. And, and he's phenomenal there. And I am really excited to kind of hear all that expertise um, and his insight uh, into safety. So let's, let's roll. Hey, good morning, Merle. Mike, it's another great day to learn about a person who has had to face some challenges and to learn how they did it and what we can learn from them. And we have just that. We have, we have the Swiss Army knife of safety leaders right here. This guy can do it all. Uh, I am grateful to call him a, a longtime colleague and friend, uh, Mike Dupont. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Good morning. I'm Earl. I'm, hi, Mike. Good to see you. Uh, Mike is the uh, Senior Director of Global Health and Safety for RIAM. And uh, I'm going to let you take it from here and so we can learn a little bit more about Mike. Well, Mike, what we have found is that Almost every safety professional has, has a point of where they, they got intrigued about the work. They get, there's something that led them to that, to wanting to work with safety. Tell us about how you got started in that. All right. Um, <clears throat> I guess my first introduction into safety was really uh, back when OSHA was first invented. My, my father was running the construction business, and I remember him coming home and saying to my, my mother, you know, like, great, what are we going to do now? You know, I got to buy hard hats and, you know, that's kind of, and, and he went out and bought one of those metal hard hats, you know, the, the, the big brim ones. And I don't think he wore it like two or three days, you know, it's just, <laughs> he did, you know, it's just like, what do we do? This new law has been passed. And I was just a kid at the time. So it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't really impactful for my career, but that's my first recollection of OSHA and safety. And that type. Uh, I graduated with a degree in safety. Um, how I got into it was I was an engineering student mm. And uh, I was taking a lot of hard classes, right? And and uh, uh, I was wanting to get a bunny course, is what we called it back then. A bunny course was, you know, like gym or something. We have more fun than you do stress. Right? Oh yeah. And uh, so I took this class that was basically to teach how to be an EMT. Yes. And uh, the dean, the dean of the safety college, was a professor. And you know, he says, you know, Mike. Uh, you know, those engineers, they're not getting jobs, but my safety guys, man, they're just, they're sailing out of here with great jobs. Oh, what a sales and pitch. So that, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, he basically convinced me that that was the right path to go. And he said, you can use all your engineering stuff. He says, uh, he said, there's a lot of engineering in, in safety. And so anyways, that, I, switched, I switched colleges because of that individual. And I'm just curious, as you got into it, what did you see that continued to intrigue you? And maybe maybe made it a heart passion to go after it even more. I really did enjoy the design of it, right? So um, just I remember 
the designing a dike around the tank so that if it leaked out, you know, you, you know, it wasn't going to leak. And th- those kind of things kind of got my engineer connected mind to, to, to the safety part. Um, but I do remember a time when I graduated and I was just newly married and my new mother-in-law asked me, well, what do you do in safety? <laughs> I had a hard time really articulating it. You know, like, <laughs> Well, do you just give out earplugs all day? You know, like, <laughs> yeah, so it's just one of those things. You, you really do have to find what makes you happy. And I think I think the safety leaders that really stick with it find what makes them happy. Right. Um, some some people like training. And so they'll they'll be the more of a training uh, health and safety leader. Right. Um, if you like regulations, you'll, you'll you're more likely to read them and be the expert in that. You know, and that and that. So I think people kind of find what gives them energy in in, in this field because it's 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 really anything you want it to be. I, I I like making videos sometimes, right? So I'll make a training video whenever I'm feeling kind of down on my job, right? I'm time to make a safety video, you know, and then you get your energy back. Well, after all these years, now if you were asked that question, what do you do? How would you answer yeah. it now? I I coach people. That's what I do now. Nice. Yeah. That's what I do now. Um, I think I I give people permission to do what they they want to do, and um, and 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 I don't mean that I have the right to give them permission, but I say you can do that. It's just do it. Just, yeah, I hear you. Now let's just do it, and that's all the permission I give them. They need somebody sometimes to say you're right. Go forward, right? And 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 I think most people want to do the right thing, and they know what to do. Sometimes they just need to take that next step. Uh, I would say that right out of the gate, there's a Carnegie principle that sounds like you've incorporated there. And one of those principles is arousing the other person an eager want. And it sounds like you've worked to help guide that arousing that want. And then once you see what it is, you help unleash the person to go after it. Yeah. Oh, Merle, I think you're on. You're yeah. on to something there, and I think Mike can Mike can attest to this. There's no leader in any organization that wants people to get hurt. Right? That's just not the thing. Um, they they everyone says, "Are you committed to safety?" Yeah, I'm 100 percent there, but they don't know what to do. Mm. Right? They think it is telling people to be careful, and that's just not success. Right? Um, so just allowing allowing that. Uh, that connection to I want to be a good safety leader. I want to be a good leader of my people that they don't get hurt and translating that into something they can do is that's key really. And, and that's that they want it, but they don't really want it because they don't know what that means. And uh, then I, you've translating from the, from the have to, to the want to, and then you're implementing them and showing them how to go after it. Yeah. So, I actually want to put a pin in the uh, working with leaders on on doing that because I do want to come back to that. But you just said something I wanted to talk about and give you an example. And, um, you know, when we, we first met, you had just come on with a company where you took over the top position in health and safety. Um, and one of the things that stood out right away, and this kind of goes back to the point that you and Merle were just talking about, is we had been doing some work for this company and... This company had been going along, and they're not a, not a bad company. They got decent safety performance to it. And you came in and shook all that up. And you were asking a lot of questions about, you know, why are we doing this this way? Why are we doing this this way? And 
um, you really challenged people to think about what they were doing, what the result was, if that was a desired result. Um, and, and why, did, why were we doing it that way? Just because we've always done it that way? And I, I mean, I think you used those exact words, if I remember right, when we were first working together, because you were asking us what we were doing for that company and why we were doing it that certain way and, and whatnot. Um, talk to me about the challenge of that, coming into organizations. And, and I don't want to just say not accepting the status quo, but challenging people. Yeah. Um, you know, admittedly, sometimes I come in kind of hot and, and that's not a good thing, right? And you got to come in. You got to come in listening. Um, I'm shocked. But, <laughs> that, but, that's a principle but, begin in a friendly way. That's a, that's another principle. Oh, he's friendly. Ahead. He's friendly. <laughs> he's just Tasmanian devil. The Swiss knife coming out. Yeah. yeah there you go. Dale Carnegie's got it, got it nailed down. They really do. But um, the, the concept is um, I think you have to look at what problem is being admired, right? I think people admire a problem. Um, and they, you know, that's just not right. And we need to change that and, and say, okay, I hear you. Right. Um, so let's face it and let's fix it and let's do it. And, and that, that is, that is key. A lot of organizations admire a problem. And, and I think coming from the outside, sometimes when you're in, you're the one seeing it and, and you've got to help them to see it as well. And I, I think it's important that you, you don't admire a problem when you're the safety leader, you cannot afford to be the guy who admires the problem. You've got to say, we're, we're not gonna accept that and move forward, right? Um, and then, and I think the other thing that we've gotta do as safety leaders is really get in the right sequence of things. You know, you can't, you can't start on step seven when step one and two haven't been done. So don't admire the problem yeah. and take the time to, to understand how you set the company up and yourself and the team for success. And that's maybe step one and two, and nobody wants to do step one and two, right? If they did that, you know, there's the old saying, if it was easy, it'd been done by now, right? <laughs> Generally step one and two are the hard ones. Right? Hey, let's circle back uh, to what you and Merle had, had talked about when you said, and it's a really great point that, you know, I've yet to see a company. I've yet to see a leader that wanted people to get hurt. Right. So I'm spot on you with that right there. And, they will say commitment. I mean, I've never heard a company that says they're not committed and it's not a value, right? Take me from there to action. Because you know, man, there's a lot of safety leaders out there that are dealing with this exact issue, right? So you, you've been tremendously successful at that. So to talk about what you've done to do that. All right, well, first off, um, I have failed many times. And, you know, there's a, I still have those facilities that, that are struggling. So it's not that I know the perfect secret sauce. I've also had some successes. And I think the success really is helping the site, not condemning the site, right? Being, being there to, to, to lend a hand, do whatever it takes. You know, that, that takes time. Sometimes, I, I, I'll give you an example. Um, I had a facility in California that um, when you visited the site, the the production manager was this awesome guy i mean he was just like wow glad to see you and we're so committed to safety and all this and the production and the gm was the same way the general manager was the same way and um so i said well guys if you don't mind um i've got a hotel booked all the way through the weekend i'll be here for two weeks if that's okay and they're you know like hmm, okay <laughs> and so i just camped right i just went in there and camped and and um i just walked the floor 
you know, introduced myself to people, but generally just hung out in the background and just watched and waited. And I wasn't being critical. I really was just wanting to be in the place, right? I think that's the definition of uh, Kaizen is, uh, is to, to, to be inside, right? To, to, to be in the moment. And I realized as the time passed that the production leader wasn't doing any safety. And what I mean that is I never heard him mention it in a morning meeting, right? He mentioned it like, any safety incidents? No, okay, we're good. And they went on, right? I mean, that was the most effort that they gave it. There was no actions planned for the week that would ensure success, right? So uh, the morning meeting, they, they never said, okay, so what are we doing for safety? Who needs to get the audiograms, right? You know, um, what work orders are still out? They never had those conversations. It was like, you know, the most they did was any injuries last night. I guess we're good. Okay. And so just understanding, taking the time to be there, be there uh, to, to see it. And, and then you also see that uh, when you're there, what people have to tell you, right? And that immersion is key. And I, I always tell safety folks, make sure that you're listening and thinking. I think a company pays safety leaders to have the time to think and to design and to strategize and to look at trends. A lot of times we don't think that's right. We feel like we're slacking off, but sometimes that's required. So anyways, going back to the, the California story, at the end of the first week, I sat down with the GM and the production manager, and I said, you're the problem. Yeah, how'd they receive that? They kind of like, okay, you know, like, I know I'm not. You know what I mean? Like, there was, there was that kind of thing because, you know, they, they thought they were good, right? Everybody thinks they're good. I, nobody thinks I'm bad, right? And I said, no, really, you, you got to hear me. This is what I'm seeing. And I laid out the details of what a good guy does, a good guy, you know, a good safety leader, extraordinary safety leader versus a normal safety leader. And I said, you're not doing any of these things. And until you're willing to do those, you're never going to change this plan. And um, the GM heard me more than the production leader heard me. And they, they both agreed at the time, we'll start doing those things. So obviously then I left after my period of time he didn't end up doing those things now, but the GM now had his list, right? The GM had his list and he says, I want these things done. And he, he wasn't able to do them. He was, he thought what he was doing was okay. And they ended up taking him out of that role, giving him a special assignment. Somebody else came in and, and the GM set the new guy down and says, these are the things you're going to do. You're going to do safety, not talk about safety, but do safety. And the plan turned around. So sometimes that's what it takes, right? You, it's hard to see it. It's hard to see it. I'll give you a couple of principles you had you were putting into action. First of all, that the very first principle we have: do not criticize, condemn, or complain. And Mike, as you know, we, you said it well. We all think we're doing great. We, if we thought we were doing otherwise, we would have changed. We're content with where we're at. There's a great story in How to Win Friends and Influence People. Of they quote the guy who says, "I think I'm one of the most kindest, benevolent." most wonderful giving people you'd ever meet. And then that was a quote from Al Capone, right? So, <laughs> so so we tend to think that. And if we approach people like that, they put up a wall of defense. Yeah. Yeah. So the other way that you, I've been hearing you do these things, approach these situations, is you ask questions instead of giving direct orders. Mm-hmm. And, and I want to keep building on some things, but what do you see is the difference between commanding compared to investigating, asking questions? 
Well, what you know, everyone has mentors in their life, and, and one of mine was uh, a fellow by the name of Dave. Um, and, and I remember Dave saying to me, "They don't care what you know until they know that you care." Wow. He knew that axiom. That was just part of his core, right? They don't care what you know until they know that you care. And he, he, within five minutes, you knew that this guy cared about you. And I think, I think that's important, right? Don't go in there acting like I'm the safety guy and I know the rules and you know you're not doing it, right. You, you got to make sure they know you care about them and that you're in it for their success, which I am, right? And if I am, why don't I just express that? So, well, another principle: become genuinely interested in other people. Yeah. And, and I think you're right. Everybody's got their radar up to say, is this person all about them or are they about me? I, I'm going to give you one more example. I had, uh, had a fella who, and this was just recently, um, had a, a, a previous year where he had um, a bunch of injuries, right? a bunch of injuries. And um, he had uh, a lot of things happen that corrected themselves in life. His manager talked to him, blah, blah, blah. But then... Um, the conversation basically that switched him over, I think, was an individual said, hey, I want to thank you for the change I've seen in the last couple of months. And I really appreciate what you're doing, but I don't know what it is. Can you tell me? Mm. And that conversation allowed that person to go injury free ever since. Now, was that the driver? Was that the only thing? No, maybe not. But what that did if they had another injury, they may be embarrassed about it. They're not right because I don't want to let them down. I don't want to let that right. It's 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 around that 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 relationship. I keep saying, if you got a rule, you, you got a rule that don't do this. I don't care anything about that rule. It's just a rule. I'll break it, right? But if you and I have a relationship and you tell me, Mike, I care about you. And I care about the rules. So, so the rules there for you. I don't want you to get hurt. You know, I care about you. Don't break that rule. Now, if I break the rule, I'm not breaking the rule. I'm breaking our relationship. Mm. I'm letting you down because we have this talk. Right. And I think that's important in parenting. I think that's important in leadership. Um, it's around that personal connection you make with that individual. And I think that's important. We've got we've got to have relationships at work that that center around safety. Right? And Mike, that whole thing that I think sometimes gets forgotten in the midst of all the regulations and all the things we've we've learned, it's the person and the connection. He's got a lot of rules, right, uh, Merle? I mean, it does. And, and and Mike and I enforce rules from from a regulatory perspective all the time. We try to make sure that we're in compliance. But at the end of the day, that's not that's not really safety. If you if you're looking to reduce your injury rate. Um, uh, there was a plant manager in Texas that I always appreciated because he just was a winner in so many areas. Um, and he used to say, I got a rule around safety. He says, if I talk to that one individual that day, I know he won't be injured. Right? Um, and it was just this thing, right? He, he made sure that if he talked to a guy nice. or a lady or that he knew that one individual would be able to work safe that day. And so he went out on the floor. He was on the floor. Yeah, huge he, to, to pull away from that. So let's say somebody's listening to this podcast and says, yeah, I haven't been good. I haven't done as good on relationships as I need to. What's a couple of thoughts you'd have, Mike, that if they say these are actions to do, what would you tell somebody that's got that heart set? I want to make an adjustment. What I'm not advocating is walking around talking to people all day. 
because um, there are all kinds of safety leaders in the world. And, and you know, when you've been in safety 30 years, you, you've seen lots of styles, right? And I, the, the shoe leather burner, as I call them, right? That means they all they do is walk around, drink coffee, say hi to people all day. Th- th- those aren't good, strong safety programs. They're just not. So, so I'm not advocating that. But relationships is really around trust, mm-hmm. right? Trust is key. And that trust comes from... I know I know Mike Palmer and I trust Mike Palmer, right? And I trust that Mike Palmer won't lie to me. But I don't trust Mike Palmer to do my heart surgery. You know? <laughs> Good idea. Well, this guy is pretty smart. I mean, well, he really yeah, is. Yeah. Well done. So there's all kinds of trust. And I think I think safety leaders have to be trusted to be competent in their job. See, they they really gotta be the real deal. But beyond that, then you also have to be trusted that people know that you're in it for them, right? You're not, you're not just telling them rhetoric so that they, whatever, feel good about safety. You got to really be it about them. And then when you say you're going to do something, do it. So many safety leaders win by just getting things fixed. I remember a guy named Juan um, uh, in San Antonio, you know, they loved Juan. Juan was awesome. And I was asked, Juan, why, Juan, you're, you're killing it here. This, the plants, incident rates come down. Your, your audit, your corporate audit went, you know, perfect, like no findings. What's your key? And he says, when a guy tells me he wants something fixed or he's complaining about something, I write it down. I fill out a, a comment card, you know, like a, a postcard thing. I put it on the GM's desk and it sits there until we fix it. And then when it's fixed, the GM signs it and walks it back to the the guy on the floor and gives it to him and says, this is finished. And they, they appreciate the GM doing that. They appreciate it getting fixed, but they really know that I don't lie to them. Right. If I say I'm going to fix it, it gets fixed. So there's trust there, right? Hey Mike, I'm a parallel to that to something you just said, you talked about earlier, you were talking about before about rules, right? And how people will violate a rule and, and it, cause there's not a real connection, right? But a relationship, right? So I'm, I'm a hundred percent with you on that. So think about the example you just gave. Somebody coming to you, professing an issue or concern, you following through, doing what you say, right? Fixing it and giving them feedback. You not only fix, as you know, you not only fix that one problem, you then developed an advocate that is going to, you know, be part of the solution and not part of the problem. You know, let's take the 80-20 rule kind of thing, right? And we've run into this, right? There's ones that you you've done everything right you've done the technical part you've done the relationship part and and you can't get there what do you do on that when you when you find that 20 percent you're asking you're asking the safety leaders question right there right because you can either spend your time on the guys who say great come help us do whatever you can to help us and they're usually a good plant right or they're usually a good factory that that has got good insight right? Right. and then you got the guys that says oh man we're really busy right now we really you know we really don't um have time we're, we got a shutdown coming or whatever right and they're they're holding you back right but they they're the ones that need you so so do you do you spend your efforts working on the worst plans hmm. or the worst departments to make them better or do you go to the place that says come in and we we're really good and we want to get better like where do you spend your time because if you're if you're a shop floor um, safety leader and you've got you know the shipping department and the and the manufacturing uh, department and whatever, you say where do I where do I want to spend the day at or working? 
that's a dilemma. It really is. I, I've, I've, I've spent time at the worst and, and drowned, right? Had no success. I've spent all, all, all day, all week there and I leave and I just know I wasted my time. And, you know, so you got to really take us, take a look at it and say, I'm going to go to the best first. I'm going to spend that time there because that's richer soil. And then I'm going to give that carrot to the, the teams that need it and try to help them uh, uh, to come along. Spending all your time on the worst maybe not be uh, maybe is not your best avenue, but you can't ignore them either, right? You've got to you've got to make sure that they see the rewards that other sites are getting, other departments are getting, and build that want in them. You've got to build that want, and and without the want, you're kind of wasting your time. So build the want by by exalting the the, the best. Mike, I want to go back to something you said a bit earlier about when you were in that plant in California and you you had to confront them. Courage. Can we just call it guts? It's not, that's not easy. It's easy to talk to the talking sunshine, but sometimes you got to get on gut level. Tell us a little yeah. bit of your thoughts and philosophy on that. In any organization, you can't have courage without support. I could not have had that conversation with the GM and the production leader if I knew that my boss didn't support me, didn't trust me. Because when I walked out of that room, there's only one thing I was sure of is they were going to call and complain about me, mm. right? This guy spent a week and a half here and he's telling us that we're the problem. I thought he was going to do some training or something, right? I mean, I don't know what they said, but if I knew that that phone call was going to happen and when I walked out of the room, then I have to be sure that my boss says, hey, if Mike told you that, you got to do it. If I didn't have that support, I could never have that conversation. So you've got to have that support in order to be courage. And then and then the other thing that you've got to think about is the emotional courage, right? It takes energy to be emotionally courage. There's a little bit of tension and, and it's okay, but you, you just got to step through it. It's not a popularity contest. And if you're in that mode of I'm afraid to make enemies, you're, you're probably not going to be very effective. Yes. Enemy is a strong word. I, I, you know, advocate versus not advocate, whatever. But <laughs> you know, the, com- the companies hire safety people to to be the truth sayer, right? When you sit and look at, you know, measuring your own performance, you know, h- how do you measure whether you're getting it right and whether you are accomplishing what you want to accomplish? I mean, it, you know, is it a metric? Is it a certain feeling? Is it something like that? And then. And then also kind of related to this swinging the pendulum thing, if they if there's a relation to them. Well, all of it's for not if the numbers don't move. The numbers do matter. And um, I don't ever want to lead with let's do this to avoid an injury. Uh, that's not that's not the right way to do it for sure. But if the numbers don't move, you are failing. And so you got to make sure those numbers are moving. Right. And and having a great incident rate like below. 0.5 or below 0.1, wherever you're at in your spectrum. If that number is not steady, or or if it's going up, you're you're not being effective. As you're as you're driving change, right? You're trying to see people uh, in a safer work environment than when you got there, right? You're trying to build a safer work environment, but to do that, people cannot do a little bit and get better, right? Because and I use the example of a, of a guy wanting to you know be the life of the party. So he's he's going to go to this party, and so he says, "How do how do I be the life of the party?" And my answer is, well, you know, you got to put a lampshade on your head, and you got to dance on the pool table. <laughs> and I know from his personality, he'll never do that, 
right? He's just, this is not going to happen. <laughs> but that's the vision, right? If you're not dancing on a pool table, you have not made it with the lampshade on your head. Yeah. But he might actually talk to five people that night. <laughs> and, you know, but he, he mentally, he was going for the pool table dance. Right, and right. he ended up talking to five people, right? <laughs> So you gotta you gotta expect to be over here, and maybe as in the journey they'll get to center, right? Which is normal, right? But you, you can't ask for normal because then they'll just barely, right? They'll just do a little bit. Mike and Mike, think about that though. How many times do people make a step forward in safety? They make an an individual makes an effort, and it's easy to criticize because they, well, you didn't get exactly where I want you to. Well, then the person says, "Forget you, I tried," and to it's, it's almost like building a momentum along the way. And you build the momentum by, you say, I saw that step forward. I noticed that. Look what it did. And then you give them, another principle, a fine reputation to live up to. I see what you can be. Did you notice how these people are watching you? You don't have a title, but you're a leader. And that fine reputation and that reaffirmment goes along. Even adults need to reaffirm it. Mike, you you gave us some examples of you already working with other safety leaders at plants, right, and how you're working with them. One of the things I think that's a challenge when you have staff like that is that balance of the technical skills, you know. Uh, I don't know about you, and well, actually I do, because you and I probably talked about when we, you know, you graduate school and you're going out there and you're focused on, man, I got to know so much, right? I got to know these standards. And then I got to know, ten, I, I got to know electrical. I got to know cranes. I got to know confined spaces. I got to know like a tiger, right? And it's learning all those distances and standards and all that kind of thing, right? And I, and I know you believe that's still really important, right? From a credibility standpoint and to have a, a have a technical basis to you and a foundation. But you just talked about the relationship part, right? And there is so much to that. Um, so talk to me about when you have people that you're developing, you know, hiring, developing, they're doing the roles. How, how do you talk to them about that blend? Yeah, I think it's Aristotle that says, try not to get the gist of anything. As a safety leader, you got to be the expert. You got to get into it and really master the topic, right? Don't get the gist of anything. Know it. Be the expert. So many people are doing safety until a real job comes around, mm. right? And that, like, I always use the analogy of, like, sweeping out the garage, right? So I'm sweeping out the garage. Boss man comes and talks to me and says, uh, so you're uh, here, you're a professional garage cleaner. And I'm like, no, I'm just sweeping the garage out until they tell me to do the next thing, right? That's, that's wrong. If you're in safety, be a safety professional. Know the topic. Don't get the gist of it. Get the mastery of that topic. Right? Do what it takes to really be confident in what you're doing. Um, so many people just do it until a real job comes around, and that's not safety. I'm telling you. I remember. I remember one guy saying, "I really like this safety job," and I said, "Yeah." He says, "Yeah, you know, um, I heard that some people actually get a degree in this." <laughs> 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 and and since we're sitting in BCSP headquarters and certification in it as well, right? <laughs> By the way, I just job. want you to know he's done another principle. That okay. We haven't mentioned this before. Dramatize your ideas. Think about how you use that analogy of the guy sweeping the floor. Those things, Mike, help people get ideas better. We take our ideas, we make them more real, a little emotion, drama, word picture powerful way for a safety professional 
to get their point across rather than just stating the pure facts only. Why is that necessary, Mike? I don't know the answer to that, but I, I, I do know that people um, receive it better when there's a, a little passion involved, right? And I think, I think you know, I was, uh, when I'm interviewing safety leaders uh, to hire them, I always ask them, are you a librarian or are you a salesman? Hmm. And if they say they're a librarian, that's that's fine, right? That's a personality type. If you say I'm a salesman, that's a personality type. But I do not accept people to say I'm both. You can't be both, right? You you do have to have both to be effective in this job, but you got to admit who you are, right? If I'm more of the librarian and I read the regs, um, then I work on being more of the salesperson. If I'm a salesperson, then I've got to work on being the librarian, which is the technical mm. person, the one who reads the reg, right? Um, it is a personality, a mixture that's very difficult to pull off in safety. Yes. Um, but you cannot be one-sided. You have to be both. But you got to know who you are first in order to, to have that realization. I want to go back just to a, a statement you made very early on, this idea of thinking and working hard. Could you explore that force just a little bit more and, and give us some encouragement on it of what that, what it looks like, what it is in action, and, and just why? Because I think it's important for us. Anyone who's watching this podcast is, is probably a safety professional, right, and, and looking mm-hmm. for an elixir that they need to fix whatever they're working on. And what I find is so many of us don't have time to even watch this podcast We're we're running right but as a safety leader you've got this guy calling you you got this one demanding this you got this program that you've committed to get you know created trained on and rolled out you got so many things always and you can work all weekend on it you can work constantly on whatever issue there is but at some point you've got to say to yourself I I'm, I'm don't have any time to think, right? I'm frantic. And so you've got to schedule time where you have that calmness, right? That you can step back and do that. So you got to take time to, to, that quiet time to think. You're being paid to think. You're being paid to, to look at the trends, understanding, right? So take the time. Just want to think about that. Take time to think. What should they think about? Well, is there a, is there a, a process, a system? I mean, do they just run through whatever idea comes through their head? I think we know intuitively what the problem is. Sometimes when you're in these, uh, when you're in the the meeting, as I mentioned before, you'll have that thought because of the topic you're listening to. But I generally think it's about what success. What is it? What is it that if I only had one thing to work on, what would it be? And and getting getting that focus. Because safety is a tough job from a perspective that is unlimited. Mike, you mentioned, I mean, just, you know, cranes and lockout and confined space and, and, and just getting getting that breath of fresh air to say, all right, this is the most important thing. If I'm not working on that, I am wasting my time. I was thinking about when you said that. I, I just got done teaching a root cause analysis class. And, uh, and you and I probably have talked about acts investigation and the pitfalls of it and so much of the time people identify, you know, they get all the facts and they jump right to the solution, right? And, and they end up not getting a good root cause. And if you don't get a good root cause, you don't get a good corrective action, right? So the, the real key is, is really, really evaluating and getting to that cause. When you talk about that thinking part, um, I find that, you know, I'll go into a situation and go working with a company and they'll have a really difficult issue or a tragedy would have happened. 
and and I do exactly what you just talked about. I've got to get away from the noise, right? I got to get away from a hundred people in my ear and really think about what has happened and the risk of it, the probability, frequency, like you know, all the all the things we do, right? But but that I, I think that's a great point that, that can really help a lot of safety leaders is we are pushed to solutions so hard. Sometimes we don't take the time to do what you just said, is to think. Stop and think about it. Let it process in your head and then get to your solution. And, and Mike, I think, I think having a buddy, right? Having, a, having another colleague in a different company or somebody you graduated school with that you can call up and say, hey, you know, uh, uh, I got this record, recordability uh, dilemma, right? right? Do you think this is recordable? Just a simple conversational right. We, we call that commiserating, right? We, yeah. we commiserate. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. If you don't have that, if you don't have that gal in your life that you can call them and say, hey, you know, hey, uh, I need your advice on this, and and it feels like you don't like you don't know what you're doing and you need help, but that's not it. It's like because then they're going to call you the next week for the same exact problem, right? You've got to have at least one person. Well, lone rangers don't do well in safety. No. Don't uh, don't be a hero. Talk. I would call Mike Palmer in a second and say, Mike, right, I'm, I'm struggling. Uh, what's your thoughts on this? And, and, and he, you honor him for one thing when you ask the question, but it also is, is about now you call me next week and, and I'll help you when you're, when you're struggling. You know, it's funny. I, I can think of ones that uh, I call, and you're definitely in there too, is that, uh, you know, I, they are the devil's advocates of devil's advocates, right? So they're, <laughs> they're going to be challenging me right off the bat, right? And there's ones that that are um, maybe a devil's advocate, but they're the affirmers, right? They they give the affirmation of of your ideas, but which really we really do need each other, and it is a it is in times a lonely oh. job. It is, yeah. and yet the folks in the in the profession can really help each other, and we shouldn't be ashamed to talk to other people. That's it. Well, and yeah. safety is often an individual contributor, right? Uh, if you're if you're at a plant with 150 people, you don't have five on your team. You're the, you're the pretty much the only person there, right? Um, you have to have uh, that individual, and it, it could be your corporate leader, it could be uh, your sister plant, it could be it could be anybody. But but if you don't have that person, please uh, uh, make it make it a deliberate act to find that person that you can call up and say, "Hey, I just got a recordability question for you," or "Hey, I got a confined space issue," whatever it is. Yeah. Again, I just put another note of what you just said. And I, since I've run out of paper, we're going to have to go towards wrapping it up. Because yeah, I've I think actually, he's ready now. I've actually run out of places to put notes down from what you have said. Mike, this has been great. You know, and I can't tell you a bad conversation we've had in probably 20 years. You know, uh, I knew that uh, with your advice and your experience, uh, this was going to be good. And there's just been a lot of great pearls of wisdom here, brother. So I, I really appreciate your time. Um, you have absolutely earned the right for rapid fire questions. You know, I mean, you've, you've, you know, uh, he was probably hoping to test out of it. No, I mean, <laughs> 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 but no. <laughs> All right, so here we go. So the um, short, sweet answer is the first thing that kind of comes to your head. Okay. All right. So go. the first question is. I want you from a safety leadership uh, to give me a high moment for your career. Something that just pops in your head where it just felt right, got it right, 
good results, success. First person that popped in my mind was um, an individual that was struggling uh, in presentations, right? He was he was making these presentations with uh, 98 slides and, you know, boring and blah, blah. And I said, this is this is terrible. Um, you know, I need you to go to a class. So I sent him to a class on, on PowerPoint presentations. He took that, sent me back the thing like in a week after his training. Terrible. I was like, oh, my goodness. You didn't learn anything. Right. So do it again. Right. And they sent it back a third time. Terrible. It's he's like he wasn't learning anything. So I said, all right, I'm going to give you one more uh, effort. Right. Send it back to me. He sent it back to me. And I said, without even reading it, this is a step change. You um, really made a change. Mm. It was still terrible. But I realized <laughs> I wasn't getting anywhere with that. You know, I'm going to fix you concept. He then became one of the best presenters I've ever seen. He 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 grew up. I actually lied to him a couple of times, right? I, I, I bold-faced lied. This is great. I love the guy. He's awesome, and he is a terrific presenter. Great story. Great, great, great. All right, I'm gonna flip the coin on you now. Give me All a right. give me a low moment. It just was a hard day to be a safety leader. And goes to injury. I think of an individual, a young lady who got her hand wrapped in a baler in the wire grabbed her hand and tore it up. And, you know, I, I just think back to all those those incidences. And I every safety leader on the planet knows that they had a part of that, right? And and it's our job to prevent it. And it just it just kills me when I think about those things. And you work super hard and you wish you had got whatever that secret sauce was to prevent it. It it is injury. They they hurt, they hurt, they hurt. Yeah, I'm with you. The um all right, last one. I think it's going to be difficult because I just wrote like 10 things in talking to you, but I want your greatest takeaway to the safety professionals that are out there that are listening to this. You gave them just, you know, these are the most key things from a takeaway standpoint that's going to help you be successful as a safety leader. Work hard at it. Work hard at it. Safety is one of those jobs that you can do nothing all day, sleep underneath your desk all day and, and get away with it. Right. But you will be discovered. The audit will discover you. The injury will discover you. Whatever the, you will be discovered. You can also work hard all day, every day, all weekend, and no one notices. You never get a you know a pat on the back, but you will be discovered. Right? The audit will go swimmingly. The injury will not happen. The incident rate will come down. So, uh, it is a job where you can do nothing or do everything, and no one notices. But at the end of the day, you know when you make a difference, you will be discovered. So just know that you're making a difference. That's, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, well, Merle, huh? Mike, Swiss Army knife, thank right? you. <laughs> yes. You earned that title, but thank you for being the real genuine deal. Thank you very much. Yeah, Mike, this, it. it's been great. I am very much appreciate and grateful for you and uh, you taking the time with us. Enjoyed it guys. I really did. Thank you for, thank you for listening. Mike, I saw you there, jotting down notes, fast and furious, as Mike was talking. I, I ran out of paper. At first, I started taking notes so that when we summarized this, I'd have some things to say. And uh, then I started taking notes myself <laughs> because he was giving me insights I hadn't even thought of before. But, I mean, when he started talking about immersing himself at a facility and just kind of hanging back and then the emotional courage to confront people and, and be honest with them 
and talk to them about ways to improve. And just, you know, practicing the pause when he talked about thinking through, so fundamental to risk assessment. That was just a fantastic one. I hope people enjoyed it because I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, and then building a genuine, a genuine relationship with people so that it's not that I'm just breaking the rule. I could be breaking this genuine relationship that we have together. And he gave another truth there. Don't be a loner. Be willing to call. Be vulnerable. Talk to your, your peers and learn from each other. Thanks for listening to My Big Safety Challenge, a podcast produced in partnership by Dale Carnegie and BCSP. With your hosts, Dale Carnegie Master Trainer, Merle Heckman, and Mike Palmer, Principal at NSAFE. Executive produced by Charlie Eltringham, Supervising Producer, Michael Escobedo. Audio Engineering and Editing from Jesse Gray and Giachi Liu. Editorial Support from Tyson Matthews. Consulting producers are Colin Brown and Mark Sullivan. To have new episodes delivered directly to you, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. If you would like to share your story of a safety leadership challenge you faced, email us at info at mybigsafetychallenge.com. See you next time.